This podcast contains strong language and is intended for mature audiences. It is for entertainment purposes only. Reefers. Can we also um, just check in about sex and couples? Of course. Welcome back to The Relationship Show. Wendy and I recently had the privilege of talking with the author of The Secrets of Medical Marijuana, a guide for patients and those who care for them. Barbara Harris Whitfield and her husband Charlie and we talked to them about their work in the medical cannabis community. With California legalizing recreational as well as medical use of marijuana we wanted to look at how marijuana might be used legally safely and thoughtfully. Reefers. And we also wanted to talk to Barbara about how she thinks marijuana can help families improve communication and strengthen connections in important relationships. In this episode, we talk a lot about THC and CBD, but we kind of fail to mention that there are two main types of marijuana, sativas and indicas. And let's just say sativas get you high, indicas get you stoned. At their best, sativas are energetic and help with creativity and pain management. At their worst, they make people paranoid and agitated. And at their best, indicas are relaxing and help with insomnia and PTSD symptoms. And at worst, they invite lethargy and depression. Uh, there are also hybrids. But what I really thought was important to note uh, at the beginning was that according to the United States Drug Enforcement Administration, there are no recorded instances of anyone dying from a fatal dose of marijuana alone. It's still classified as a Schedule One drug, even though one would need to consume over 1,500 pounds of marijuana in about 15 minutes to induce a lethal response. An impossible task and one not to aspire to. Uh, but just to kind of put that in perspective, uh, cigarette smoking deaths are around 440,000 a year. Uh, and marijuana, none on record. Still, that does not mean that marijuana is a good choice for everyone, and we don't recommend any changes be made without the participation of your doctor in the conversation, and please exercise caution with any amount of cannabis consumed. Don't drive, operate machinery, yada yada. Although there are some studies that show that cannabis might assist with opioid addiction recovery, we continue to recommend discussing any treatment plan with your physician, prescribing psychiatrist, and recovery case managers. Okay, now, are we cool? Are we cool? So then let's get into some cool hippie sound and shit. Hello. Hi, how are you? Hi, Barbara. I'm Can well. You see- there, there. How's that? Hi, great. <laughs> nice to see you. Nice to meet you. Oh, hi. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us this morning. My pleasure. I'm very excited. Uh, ever since I heard you on Shrink Rep Radio like two years ago almost, um, I thought this is somebody I want to have a conversation with. And I got your book almost immediately after that. Uh, and Wendy and I have been talking about wanting to discuss this topic on a podcast now that California has made recreational marijuana um, a thing. It's a little more, I don't know, on trend uh, in people's minds. It's okay to talk about now, you know? Yeah, I know. (laughs) Um, And did I, I sent the two of you, or I sent one of you, um, a, a class that Charlie, my husband and I did on Green Flower Media. Did you see that? I did not. I will have to figure out where that is. Okay. If you can't find it, let me know and I'll send it again. So what is this class? 
Green Flower Media, do you know about them? No. They're in Ventura, and they're a bunch of young millennials that are very, very smart and know how to put things together, packages for um, the computer, and they have the biggest experts in the world are coming and teaching on that channel. So look up Green Flower Media. It's really worth belonging if you're interested at all in this subject. Now, Charlie and my class was right up your alley. It was about relationships. It was called, um, what did we call it? Cannabis, Conflict, and Consciousness. And it came from two of our books, the cannabis book, and this one, The Power of Humility. And The Power of Humility, the um, subtitle is Choosing Peace Over Conflict in Relationships. So what we do is we merged our map from the power of humility on how to get along with everybody and raise your level of consciousness. We merged it with the marijuana book as far as talking about you can you can do what we're recommending with cannabis or without cannabis. But if you're going to do it with cannabis, we're big um, fans of microdosing. So in this hour and a half class, we also taught about microdosing, finding your sweet spot, and being able to communicate with a loved one that you're not getting along with. And then slowly but surely, it takes you up the levels of consciousness until you get to unity. Barbara, I can't write fast enough. I know we're on Skype, and but we're not for our, for our audience. But I'm just, I'm like writing. And, and uh, you, you're answering all my questions. I'm doing a question mark, and then I have to cross it out. Because that's wonderful. A lot of people are going to want to know. Um, can we read your material without mm -hmm. them needing to use marijuana? Either way, either way. But we highly recommend very small doses and waiting 15 minutes if you've inhaled or an hour or two if you've ingested. And then we talk about how to get your ego out of the way and sit down with somebody with humility and share what's going on and be willing to let it go and move up the levels. Our first level, obviously, is conflict. Our second level, whoops, is um, cooperation. Third level is co-creation. You've invited spirit in. Sorry about that. That's OK. <laughs> the fourth level is unity. They're calling you from the universe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so this is fantastic, and, and what an amazing place to start. So I'm just going to give a little bit of background um, to our listeners, because this is usually how we start anyways, where we're already talking about things, and we, we're coming up into it. So I want to welcome Barbara Harris-Whitfield. She's an author, speaker, therapist, consciousness researcher, uh, respiratory therapist, certified massage therapist. She's co-authored more than 10 books. Five. What? Five I wrote myself and five um, were co-authored with my husband. I stand corrected. She has written five books by herself and co-authored five with her husband, who is Char Dr. Charles Whitfield, uh, who she's in private practice with in Atlanta. Uh, he's a physician and psychotherapist, and they do individual and group psychotherapy, working with people repeatedly traumatized as children and doing things like this course you are describing. How much more of your work now is focused on this cannabis uh, community and discussion now that sort of the global and national conversation is changing? It chose me, I didn't choose it. I was getting a massage 
couple years ago, and my massage therapist, this was in Florida, was telling me about friends of hers who were farmers who were going to be the first ones in line to go to the county and get the license to plant and raise. And I'm laying on the table and I'm thinking, well, do these people know about praying over the seeds? Do they know about playing soft music? Do they know about letting the plants know what they're going to be doing. I mean, I, I know how to commune with plants. My grandmother as a child was teaching me how to commune with plants. So here, by the time I jumped off the table, I said, I have a book. <sighs> took me four months. And then my husband took it over and he did writing for four months. And then we just, you know, smoothed it out. And the book was out in a year. I had no idea I was going to take this through. I mean, I'm in my mid-70s. I'm going to start talking about pot. <laughs> well, <laughs> Why not? We started, yeah, we started getting invited to conferences, mainly in um, Canada. I mean, in Canada now, we're well known about this. Uh, and just having the greatest time. I mean, we're used to academic conferences. You know, we're used to it being very dry. Um, <laughs> and the, People are fantastic. I mean, and there were plenty of MDs teaching alongside of us, all kinds of people, attorneys that are activists. And while we're together, everybody wants to party after the talks are over. So, and the police look the other way in Canada, which is wonderful. So we just love going to these conferences in Canada. And um, like I said, we just did this with, um, with Greenflower Media. And they're like the state of the art. We're definitely going to check out green flower media uh it's it's all kind of online based or that's sort of the the it's hub learngreenflower.com and max simon is the ceo he worked with um Deep, deepak chopra for 25 years he wow. took you know he ran it there so putting this together himself after being there through the day with these young beautiful people um everybody is so happy about this. They're just so passionate about it. And that's what you get at the conferences too. You get a lot of passion. Almost everybody we've met in the field is giving back one way or another. A great example would be um, this one fella in Colorado who's raising it and a certain amount of what he raises, he gives to the vets. The vets show up at his place and he they get a couple of ounces. They get candy and um, I forget what else he gives them. But Everybody's giving back. This isn't just to get rich. This is to help humanity. Can you share with us just a little bit of the trauma, um, how that integrates with the marijuana? Yes. I have two chapters on this in my book. Post-traumatic stress disorder, especially among veterans. With veterans, it's very obvious. There's nothing in the pharma, pharmacology to help them. The pills are really not doing anything. But a lot of them turn to marijuana because that does help. We've seen it over and over again. We were teaching this in um, Fintorn in Northern Scotland. And after we taught, a fellow came up to us who I think he said he was a World War II vet. And they were going to actually go in and cauterize a valve in his heart because he had a really rapid heartbeat, which is part of post-traumatic stress. Um, so we, we sat down with him. He took his pulse and it was like 130. And then he took, was it one or two hits, Charlie? Yeah. Of a, of a vape. That was, yeah, that, was, that was CBD. And that was just CBD. And his heart rate went down to 65. 
Wow. This medication is the best medication in the world. If you don't want to get high, fine. You can do it without getting high. But see, we have an endocannabinoid system in our body. Do you know about that? Yes, I, I, I know a little bit about it. I've done a lot of reading on it, but you're an expert. So please, please speak, give us an share more. In the late 90s, an Israeli researcher discovered this, the, this system. It's just like when we discovered the Valium receptor in the human brain. Well, we've got a receptor for cannabis, too. It's all over our body, but it's very heavily in the spinal cord and the brain. And we have been robbed of natural CBDs because we don't eat the right food. And even if we do, our um, soil is depleted. We're not getting the cannabinoids in our body like we really need them. So we're starving for cannabinoids. So as soon as you take CBD or THC, it feeds that system. And what we get out of it is homeostasis. Our whole body gets balanced. I've seen it work with vets. I've seen it work with little kids that um, have seizures. That's a depletion of their cannabinoid system. So we have something here that's real scientifically. It's not just a bunch of old hippies that want to get high. This is very, very good medicine. And obviously, the pharmaceutical industry is doing everything they can to stop it. Can you speak a little bit to that? Because um, I, I will always tend to go a little bit more into the, the political uh, okay. avenue. So I, let me get it out kind of at the beginning, uh, and then we can get to some other stuff. But uh, could you tell, could you talk a little bit about what the effect of the politicization of marijuana and marijuana use has done to the field of cannabis study and, and medicine? Yeah, it's pretty bad. We're way behind Israel. Israel has been studying this since the mid-60s. And there's one very famous um, scientist named Mishulam who started this whole thing. And he's never smoked. He's never actually yeah. done cannabis. I love but, that. <laughs> yeah, there's a wonderful one-hour documentary on him that you can get, get off of YouTube called The Scientist. And it's about Machulam. So we're way behind them. And be I think because of arrogance and ego, our country will not accept their science. We have to do it all over again here. And there's always people or organizations trying to fault it. We do have some research going on here now. The cannabis is being raised at the University of is it Mississippi. University of Mississippi, and it's really kind of inferior cannabis. They're not getting the, the powerful strains like you're getting in California, in Colorado, and that's what they're using for testing. So that's that's kind of a shame that it's going that way here in this country. Um, MAPS, Multidisciplinary Association for um, Psychedelic Research or Psychedelic Studies. They right now at the University of Arizona have one physician who is researching PTSD with cannabis, uh, MDMA for psychotherapy, and a couple other psychedelics for um, alcoholics to get off of drinking. So there is stuff going on here, but we're not half as advanced as Israel. Well, and then currently our attorney general is very oh. vocal about his distaste for marijuana. And I'm interested to see what the long-term effects of that uh, energy is going to be in 
all of this. And I think the cycle of also, you know, all the psychotropic medications that are happening, it's just going to kick it, the whole political aspect of that, the fear. But there's two areas that are on our side right now. The first one is the money. There's a lot of tax money that, that the individual states and the national government can go after. And sooner or later, they're going to figure that out. It's number one. Number two, as far as Sessions goes, I think what he's really doing, because these people are smarter than we think, I think he's really forcing Congress to, to declassify, to, to not schedule it anymore. That He is right. It's breaking the federal law because it's a, a Schedule One. So let's go over to Congress and say, and we've been writing them like crazy, and we've been asking everybody else to write their Congress people. You've got to deschedule it so it's not against the law anymore. That's where I hope this is going. But we know the pharmaceutical industry, and they're very powerful, as you know, and they'll try anything to stop this because, oh, and the other thing on the flip side that they're not letting you know is that they've got fields reserved when they can start planting. So pharmaceutical industry is going to try to get into this too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And they're looking at it as a single molecule that you're only going to take THC or you're only going to take CBD. Well, that ruins that whole um, effect of the way they work together, the synergy between the different chemicals, but they haven't figured that out yet. So for those people who don't really know the difference between CBD and THC, which are the two most active uh, cannabinoids in cannabis, right? Am I using the right terminology? (laughs) Again, I know a lot, but I I would never claim to be an expert. Um, How would you go about sort of presenting the difference between those two Obviously, THC is the part that makes us high, and CBD doesn't make us high, but it calms us. There's definitely something in it that's helping us. It's still psychoactive. It's still psychoactive. That's my husband talking, by the way. Charlie, with you. Hi, Charlie. Charlie. Hi. <laughs> um, Feel free to join us <laughs> if you like. Oh, he just rolled over. <laughs> I could say what I could see. Hi. There's, there's a guy who's the head head of marijuana business daily, I think, Chris Walsh. And he said a couple of weeks ago that if you look at the marijuana industry as a freight train coming down the tracks at 200 miles an hour and hiding behind a bush next to the next to the track is Jeff Sessions trying to stop the train. <laughs> That's a very good uh, description of what's going on. Come back whenever you want. It's just okay. gonna just gonna roll right over that little Keebler elf. <laughs> you guys aren't old enough to remember, but there used to be a show years ago called Laughin. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And what was his name? Henry Gibson. Henry Gibson. Do you remember Henry Gibson? I don't know which one he is, but I bet I could uh I'm all visual. <laughs> oh he re- yes. Oh I know who you're talking about. So Barbara, a quick question for you. So can I read that you cannot get high with CBD, but some people do experience it. Do you, what do you make of that? Well, it's either the placebo effect or they're beginning to feel what calm feels like. And they don't know 
people calm yet because they've never had, this is why it's so good for PTSD. It right. calms them down and they could label that as, oh, I'm high. I mean, some people really get scared because they think their brain is going to be, you know, two eggs, two sunny side up eggs in a fry pan. This is your brain on drugs. But yeah. it's those two sunny side up eggs represent how your mood's going to change. You're going to feel sunny side up. But they don't know that yet. We have to tell them. Yeah, we that's great. So there with these people. So calm equals high for some people. Would right. you also say um, some people describe having um, hallucinations or delusions? Uh, what do you think about that? I think either CBD or THC. They, yeah, they, I'll have a lot of teenagers that say, oh, my God, I was hallucinating. <laughs> Well, the first well, thing I would tell teenagers is they shouldn't be using it till they're past 24. The brain is still, excuse us, the brain is still developing, and I hate to see kids that are high. Yep. Okay. But as far as the ones who are hallucinating, they're either very, very suggestive, or they've got a lot pent up there, or they're psychically being contacted by a dead relative. I've seen that, too, especially on deathbeds. I would also say, and, and I'm sure you guys have heard this, there's always the possibility that they are smoking something that's laced with something. Because I have never done a hallucinogenic, like uh, like classic, I've never, well, I, I've done ecstasy, but done it. I, I've taken ecstasy or MDMA, but I've never dropped acid. I've never, um, I've never tripped. I've never done mushrooms, although I would love to someday for that experience. But the one time that I have had something close to that was after smoking something that I thought was marijuana. And then later on, it must have been Thai stick or something. This was in the 90s, the early 90s. Um, so not knowing where it was coming from, that can sometimes also be a factor, right? Yes. And, you know, I've, I've toured many of the dispensaries, both in uh, Vancouver, Toronto, and all over Colorado. And it's so wonderful to know that what the material is tested. They know exactly what it is. They know if it's tainted, they don't accept it. Wouldn't it be nice instead of getting it from your local pusher to be getting it from a dispensary that's clean and and the, the bud keepers know, they know their strains and their terpenes and they can recommend to you whatever your complaint is or whatever it is you want it for. To, um, to get the proper thing. And the other thing I want to say is that I spent four days with Sasha Shulgun in, in the 80s, and he's the one that developed MDMA. He was a chemist. And um, we were talking about MDMA versus marijuana, and what he taught me was you hold the marijuana in your hand and you ask it to be what you need. And he said you will know almost immediately if it can be that. So when I do indulge, I ask it to be MDMA because that was my drug of choice. But I knew you can't keep doing MDMA. <laughs> you just can't. Um, so I asked the cannabis. And the, and the other thing, another friend of mine who's a shaman taught me is if you pray over the cannabis, it can be any strain, you pray over it and you ask it to be this, call it Santa Maria now. It has shifted. It has become a spiritual its soul is going to merge with your soul and you're going to go on a little investigation like you do with MDMA. So we can do that with cannabis. I can't wait for it to get legalized here in Georgia so I can use it in therapy. 
Yes. Uh, where Where is Georgia standing on the cannabis <laughs> issue? Uh, you can you can get medicinal cannabis if you have any one of their ten diseases that they have said. Fourteen diseases. Fourteen diseases, and um, so you get a medical marijuana card, and then you have to go out out of state to get cannabis, which is illegal, and bring it back, which still keeps you a felon because of our federal government. But people here are using it that have these certain diseases. So you and, can have a license to have it, but you, but yeah. they don't actually sell it there in the state. Right. right. Isn't that cute? Oh my God. <laughs> the, the, it's so convoluted. It's so, yeah. Now in Atlanta proper, if you're caught with less than two ounces or an ounce, I don't yeah. mean an ounce. If you're caught with less than an ounce, it's a $75 fine. We've got another town near us. If you get caught with any amount, it's a $25 fine. So the individual towns are doing their own thing. And I'm glad. I'm glad that people are learning to speak up instead of letting the federal government dictate to us what we can put in our body and what we can't put in our body. Sure. Barbara, how, you said that um, in therapy, I can't wait to use it in therapy. What would that look like? What that would look like, we would be praying over the cannabis. We would be probably making a list of what they want to look at when they're high on cannabis. And then after our prayers, we would just go ahead and go into probably almost a regular session, a lot more relaxed physically. But, and, and I would stay with it for as long as they feel that the cannabis is still affecting them. Some of my sessions go an hour and a half, two hours. And I'd be writing it all down, or if they want to, they can tape it. And it can be very similar to an MDMA session, except you don't get that horrible pain in your jaw. <laughs> You're not clenching. Yeah, you get the munchie. Yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah, you'll have to have a lot more snacks in the office. Let me back up that my husband 30 years ago wrote a book called Healing the Child Within and that's about adults that were uh, traumatized repeatedly in their childhood and it was really the first book out on how to look at this and how to get better from it. So that's pretty much our framework is childhood trauma or even adult trauma repeatedly and PTSD, although some people don't like that label. And so we work with them over long periods of time. This is not short therapy uh, to help them heal their child within. The child within is the real self. It's it's uh, a lot like um, attachment, secure attachment. Mm -hmm. And you see also with the cannabis, there's a bell curve where we talk about the sweet spot. This is in our class and this is in the book where one or two hits and you're up at the top. You really are your real self, your true self. Even people who drink, one or two drinks, and what we love about it is that we are our true self. So here you are with a therapist and you're, you're doing it. However, in this old Cheech and Chong mentality, if you keep smoking, you keep smoking, you keep drinking, you lose it. You just kind of crash down to nowhere land. Instead of using this as a tool to get healthier, I actually, I have a medical marijuana license. Uh, I have Crohn's and I also have debilitating migraines. Um, and I have found that medical marijuana has been more effective than any pharmaceutical that I have ever taken um, for either. 
and I, I did notice that I would describe it as sort of um, lifting a fog and it, what you're talking about this sort of this optimal sweet spot where it kind of it, it also kind of lifts or for myself because I know it's different for other people the um, the cloak of self-consciousness of um, that kind of removes or, or t turns down the volume on the the what some people might call the super ego you know this sort of always saying like don't say that or don't do that or you look ridiculous or any of this and it, and it kind of as you were saying helps relax and be more present and in in that process it has helped manage the stress that affects all these things for me this is all trial and error including and especially the strain in the terpenes and that's why it's so good to go to a dispensary with somebody who's very knowledgeable about strains in terpenes because they'll they'll keep testing with you until you find one that goes with your body but just because one person loves and it affects them one way doesn't mean it's going to affect somebody else the other way and what we're really loving about our first couple ingestions of cannabis is it lifts us out of our drama it's like our false self or our ego falls away and we are who we really are and then we can look at our drama from a different level and i think it was einstein who said you can't you can't solve a problem at its level <laughs> cannabis lifts us out of that and we can look down on it. It's kind of, for me, I had a near-death experience and I use cannabis now in the same way that that NDE affected me. The cannabis will take me to that place, which is my real self, feeling peaceful, but being able to, to look at what's going on and say, oh, I didn't know I had that choice. That's the way it helps us psychologically. Uh, can you say a little bit about, <clears throat> for some people who, she froze. She froze. <laughs> it looks like she's singing. Quick, get her a joint. <laughs> Smoke the weed every day. We lost you, Wendy. Can you go back and uh, can you re-ask your question? Wow, okay. Hold on a moment. <laughs> this is getting technology. Hold on. All right, sweetie. Yeah, medical marijuana or marijuana in general uh, for animals is very big here in Los Angeles now. Very big here too. My, really? One of my grand dogs is on CBDs. Really? Yeah, yeah. You know, I used to stick with people as they were dying and I use cannabis a lot with dying patients. Well, it's the same thing with dogs. You know, if they're dying and they need to, the comfort, CBDs alone help them a lot. Yeah, uh, there are a lot of animals in Los Angeles who are on Prozac to decrease <laughs> anxiety and stress. I can't tell you how many people uh, uh, have their dogs on, on, on anxiety meds. Oh my. Yeah. So, and Jenny, I was just saying that marijuana is really big with the, the animal yeah. population here. Yeah. CBDs, not the full plant. Sure. I hope. Yeah. Yeah. I could see where CBD oil w might be able to get the okay from the animal rights activists, but I could also see people getting very upset just about the suggestion of of giving it to one's animals. But what's amazing is that the CBD is helping these animals. You can see it when they give when they give my grand dog the drops. I see her calm down. Oh, She's sure. not in as pain either. Her pain medication is working better, and the same thing for us. So one of my questions 
is about people who are self-medicating with um, with alcohol or drugs, uh, pain pills. How would you help them to, is it the same detox or trans, um, titrating down? Is it the same kind of idea or? Is you it talking about cannabis? Yeah, when you would. You switch. can cannabis cold and you'll have maybe a week it's kind of like going off of um, caffeine. I went off of caffeine several months ago and was in a fog for two weeks. And I, I still miss it, but I'm not going to drink it. Well, it's the same thing with cannabis. If you've got to get off of it, you can cut it off right away. But I wouldn't cut off the CBDs. I would keep the CBDs. You don't want to do THC anymore? Fine. But keep the CBDs. You're not going to get high, but it's going to keep you healthy. And what about people who want to transition to drugs and alcohol or pain medications or pills yeah. to marijuana? Okay, well, let's see. Two things are coming up for me. First of all, cannabis is not a gateway drug. It's an exit drug. We're seeing it work beautifully with people who are addicted to opioids. Um, they can cut back with cannabis or they can even stop the opiates immediately and just use cannabis. But either way, within a month or so, they're off their opiates. We're, uh, we're seeing this also with people who are addicted to um, psych drugs, because psych drugs are very addicting, especially the antidepressants. If they add a little bit of cannabis, maybe just in the evening if they're working, um, it helps them. It takes away a lot of the withdrawal. And as, as a perfect example, myself, this is why I got so involved in it. 45 years ago, when I was 32, um, I had broken my back and I had had huge surgery and wound up in a striker frame circle bed, which is, I don't know if you know what that is, it's like two big chrome hoops. Oh. The patient is suspended in the middle and then three times a day they put another, it, it wasn't a mattress, it was more like a hammock over me and then rotate me up and over. So I lived like that for a month. And, um, every pain med that they could inject me with, you know, made them feel better. When I got home, I got home with Percocet, Valium, sleeping pills, muscle relaxants, you name it. I, I finally, I had 26 bottles of pills mm -hmm. sitting on the counter and I was in a full body cast for seven months. Somewhere around the third month, somebody, a friend that really loved me, brought me a joint. Mm -hmm. And I waited till everybody was gone, and I think I smoked. I took two hits. Within a couple minutes, I got up on my walker, waddled into the bathroom, and flushed all 26 bottles down the toilet. The cannabis was doing what I was trying to get. I was trying to get out of my drama. I was trying to lift out of myself and see that I had a future. Well, all those drugs they were giving me didn't do that. They made me constipated. They made me sleepy. But they certainly didn't help my situation like the cannabis did. And I've been an advocate for cannabis ever since. I became a um, respiratory therapist, and I was doing home care for the dying. And the first time I had the courage, this was down in South Florida, um, the first time I had the courage because I knew this woman was going to go soon, and I knew she would be better off in cannabis and not all the things that were knocking her out. So I pulled her college-age grandson over to the side, and I said, listen, I don't want to get you into any trouble, but is there any way you can get your grandma a joint? And he looked at me. He said, well, I can go to my car. Oh. <laughs> Good kid. 
I'm telling you, I walked in a few days later and it was like the whole scene had changed. The whole scene was relaxed. She was feeling no pain. She was telling them everything she wanted to tell them. And they were, her relatives were answering her in the most loving way you can. So after that, that became my thing is to get people off of narcotics and get them on marijuana before they die. That's great. And and would you suggest that just clinically or to have the patient do that or like the family is a family experience or how would you or you know, you know, each situation is different, but I can I can spot somebody. You know, takes one to know one. Yeah. I can spot somebody and I can ask them how if they're comfortable or not. And then oh. I can talk I can go talk to the dying patient and a lot of times I'll get Oh, I did that in the 60s. I'll do it again now. Or, oh, I'll try that. I've always wanted to try it. And everybody starts communicating instead of, you know, being afraid. Yeah. Yeah. The secret, the fear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would... I would love to get my parents high. Uh, I would especially, <laughs> my parents are divorced, but and my father particularly, I would love to, but he's very resistant. He's in Detroit, so we're Michigan, it's approved for medical use. Yeah, but you know uh, where all, excuse me, you know where all the dispensaries are in Detroit? On 8 Mile Road in a really bad neighborhood. Yeah, well, my dad doesn't live in a great neighborhood either. I mean, downtown, and there are there are some dispensaries there. And but to me, the issue for him is uh, getting past his own. And I, and he smoked pot in the '60s, and I I saw joints in his room in the '80s. So I know that this isn't somebody who doesn't have any kind of a relationship or past relationship with cannabis, but there's something about where he's at now that seems very resistant. And maybe it's me. Maybe he's resistant to me. <laughs> this is not a commercial. Why don't you send him a copy of my book? I, well, I, I just might at this point. Yeah. I think it would be anything. And give him my email address. Tell him if he has any questions, I'll be happy to talk to him. That might give him a little bit of a boost. Hey, yeah. So because there is a family. thing. It doesn't matter how much you... Uh, start to know as an adult sometimes parents have a hard time ever seeing you as anything more than their child right oh, so it's just like right. so they they see looks look probably to him like a three-year-old's coming in and going why don't you smoke a joint probably feel a lot better <laughs> <laughs> well our kids too i mean our kids just want us to be mommy they certainly don't want us to have a life or be anything other than mommy that's true. That's true too. It's uh, it's making your parent into a fully rounded human being can sometimes be, I don't know if it's quite traumatic, but it can definitely be impactful. And if yes. people are afraid, I'm of working. It. I'm working with a family now from Lebanon, and um, the the parents, the oldest generation, are in their late seventies, early eighties, and she has cancer, and who's been taking all the drugs she's supposed to and her daughter who's very open-minded and I went over there and started trying different kinds of cannabis with them chocolates and um, a pen with a one-to-one -one ratio for bedtime and then during the day they're just taking CBDs and they're doing it they're doing it they're understanding it they're asking questions uh, it's helping them to sleep better they're open and they're like I said, pushing 80 and 80. That's fantastic. Amazing. 
could you talk about i mean you've so you've you've been a witness to this the effect that it can have and obviously you and your husband are teaching this course um how does that look what have you seen witnessed with families using cannabis to communicate more effectively uh what have you seen what has been the most impressive element of that for you well the first scene that comes to mind was my dad the day he died. Uh, he had never believed any of this. I have written several books on near-death experiences, and he wouldn't even pick the books up. But that last day, his mama came to him. He was talking to his mama, who had been dead since he was 17. Uh, and other family members were coming to him. And I don't remember how it started, but my three kids, who are now in their 50s, my three kids and I were, and my brother were standing around his bed and somebody told a memory and then somebody else said, oh, do you remember when? And every time my kids told him another memory about my father, he would tell them his memory of it. So we had actually produced a life review. This is what we call the life review and near death research. And it was beautiful. It was, we cried together. We laughed together. And my, the, my dad said, do you know what I would love right now? And we're, we're all going, what? What would you love? He said, corned beef sandwich. Well, my, <laughs> my kids ran out of the hospital, went and got corned beef sandwiches. And there were six of us sitting on the bed around him eating <sighs> sandwiches. And he died a couple hours later. So, you know, that's like the best that can happen. It was a beautiful death, but my father died the way he lived. He was, you know, a big-hearted man. Um, other ones, I, I had one in, instance where the woman who was dying, who was only 42, um, wouldn't let her family members come in. She was angry at everybody, and she was not going to give up her anger. Well, I went home to take a rest. Reefers. I um, left for a couple hours, and when I came back, everybody was in the room with her. It was beautiful. And her last day was spent with her family all around her. And I know what they were doing when I wasn't there. They were smoking or vaping or... Doing something. They were doing something. <laughs> I smoked two joints in the morning. I smoked two joints at night. I smoked two joints in the afternoon. It makes me feel all right. Well, do you know what made a switch for that person? I mean, obviously, besides the cannabis, but there's a choice. There's a point at which that person made a choice to try that. What What do you feel is usually that, that point for people where they make that switch over and go, okay, I'll try this? Uh, uh, the only thing I can think of is desperation. They, can't, they just can't handle anymore the way it is. So I, the only thing I tell them is that it'll lift you out of your drama. And that's enough people to, to go ahead and open up and try it. The other thing is Charlie and I lectured last year at the University of Georgia to undergrads and we're telling them now too about microdosing that you don't let anybody get so high that they get scared. You keep it low. And the other thing you do is you keep around a bottle of pure CBD. So if they do get agitated, if they do take in too much, you can neutralize it with a, an eyedropper of CBD. This I think is really important and it's something that I have mentioned to people and I believe that the first time that I became fully aware of it was actually listening to you on a podcast talking about 
uh, talking about that. Um, so could you just speak a little bit about how CBD neutralizes? Charlie, how does CBD neutralize if you're too high? What's what's the medical mechanism in the body? Do you know? Well, it's, got, it? it's, it's got a lot of mechanisms in our book. Do, do you guys have our book? So if you're looking there, there's a there's an enzyme called FAAH that breaks down anandamide, which is our body's natural THC or natural cannabinoids that our body makes. I'm sure you know that. And um, what CBD does, it inhibits that enzyme so it won't break down as much anandamide. And so our good feeling that anandamide provides then is kept up. And it, and it just sort of takes away the paranoia or the hallucinations. When we're saying neutralize, it's really removing that element of it. Yeah, I think it probably overrides it on its own in a calming way because it's it overbalances. Like, have you ever used a one-to-one THC to CBD? Okay, so I can't imagine anybody getting paranoid on that on doing it too much because you got so much CBD. Yeah. It's so relaxing. So, okay. So that's cool. Uh, thank you for the for the scientific explanation of that. Because I do, I think that it's something that's really helpful for people. I've gotten, uh, I've gotten texts from friends of mine saying, oh my God, my kid just got high for the first time in their home and they're freaking out. And the parent is trying to figure out how to help the child or the child, but like the young person, the 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 teenager who's having kind of a bad trip yeah. and I, and I'm always saying like well I I know CBD oil neutralizes it and I don't I didn't quite know why but I knew I guess it does make sense that you're kind of balancing it out with the THC yeah you're getting a more careful ratio I had that happen to me when we were in Vancouver uh, the the conference was this gorgeous hotel right on the bay and there was a circle of people outside the um, building smoking pot, grass, whatever, which is amazing to me because there's cars pulling up and there's valets and, you know, it's the whole wildness that you get in front of a hotel when people are checking in and out. Nobody stopped anybody. So I walked out there and there were some of the greatest people who I've read before in that circle. And I just really wanted to be in the circle with them. So I got in the circle and somebody passed to me I'm usually very careful about keeping a ratio of one to one. What, whatever I smoked with them was so powerful, I couldn't believe it. I came back inside and I was really, really scared. And I started looking for Charlie, couldn't find him, finally found a woman I know who has a really, really good company, very, very pure products. And she sat me down right away and she put an eyedropper of CBD under my tongue. And I was fine after that. So that's something to know about. If you're, especially if you're helping somebody do it for the first time. Yeah, to have that on hand. One on one is oh, sorry. You said you have Crohn's. I have um, peripheral neuropathy, and the one in one means I don't get too high, but I'm feeding those nerves. I'm coating them because cannabis is also a neuroprotectant. It's very good for, for nervous diseases. That's why the kids now that have so many seizures are coming way down to maybe one seizure a week because you're doing something to the nervous system when you're taking it in. 
I feel so that there was that story uh, about the father in Minnesota. I feel like it was last year who was arrested and uh, there was it was a big case for giving his kids basically CBD for seizures. And it was just it's just heartbreaking. It's just heartbreaking yeah. that it's this difficult to uh, have access to something that is natural uh, and has so much uh, promise uh, and history. Thousands of years. You know that? It goes back to the Silk Road. Can I just ask a little bit about depression? A lot of people feel that, you know, the more you take marijuana, the more you can get depressed. What is your thought about that? Well, when well, I look at the DSM and, you know, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Psychiatry, and you compare depression with PTSD, PTSD and depression have the exact same description, only with depression there can be suicidality. But other than that, everything is the same. So for me, if somebody is really depressed and I wanna recommend it to them, I will definitely tell them that it may or may not work, that it's different for everybody, but to just try it and explain to them how to do it and then let them check back later. And we also tell people who are using it for, for medicinal reasons to keep a diary every day of what they tried, what worked, what didn't work. Charlie, it's called, you call it DSSS? It's the, this is the, this is my simple formula. Whenever you're indulging and you wanna reflect on everything, it's good to, to remember that D triple S formula, D is dose, the first S is strain. So it's, are you getting something that's gonna give you a clean THC effect or is there gonna be noise in the background and it's not so clean and it's not the strain you want, uh, but you're just learning not to use that strain again, maybe, but always you gotta have set and setting. It's what's your mood, your mind, what, what conflicts are you in right now? What decisions do you need to make that uh, or need to be immediate or you can reflect on later. How much demands is your ego uh, hitting you with? And um, then the setting has to be a safe and supportive setting. <clears throat> so if you've got all of that, then you can, you know, sort it out why you're feeling the way you are. Those are the those are the four main factors. And keep a diary of each time you do and what it was like and those DSS. The yeah, and what, what strain you've used. If you do a daily one, what strain you use and what was your set and setting. And hopefully your setting will always be safe at home. Where's Mara Gordon? Do you, know, do you remember where Mara Gordon is in uh, California somewhere. Somewhere in California is a woman called Mara Gordon and she has, her business is called Aunt Zelda's. <laughs> And I think she's in San Francisco. I'm not sure, but if if anybody has a lot of questions and they need a really amazing person that knows strains, you go to Myra Gordon, Aunt Zelda, and she'll put it together for you. So she'll I mean, she'll give you recommendations for whatever yeah. your particular. Uh, yeah, but the whole thing is back to that formula. It's all trial and error. Just like every medicine and everything we do in life, it's all trial and error. So you, you try it and you keep a record of it daily. 
That's one of the things that I really loved about your book was it is a it's a very it's very much something that Wendy and I care about. It's it's very empowering, uh, and it's about recognizing your own role uh, in your self care, in your well being, and the quality of your life. Because as I tell clients all the time, I mean I can want it really badly for them. I can see everything that they need to do, but I can't do it for them, that they still have to go out and do the work themselves uh, for anything to really change. And that's one of the pieces of your book that I found really deeply resonated with me. I think all of our books, Charlie has 14 books. Um, I think all of our books are that way. We're empowering people. You know, we've all been brainwashed. Our parents may have been loving, I'm not saying they aren't, but we can still get brainwashed as kids by our society, our culture, our educational system, our religious system. We are, we're brainwashed. Lately they've been calling it gaslit, gaslighting, and I like that explanation better. So our books are about your own empowerment. It's amazing and so compassionate and so loving and caring and cautious and responsible. You know, it's coming from love, but not fear. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And our, our humility book, you'll see, if, especially for couples, does that. It empowers the couple to finally be able to talk it out by putting their egos on the side while they're having that discussion. Can we also um, just check in about sex and couples? Of can, course. <laughs> can you tell me just a little bit about how uh, marijuana can be used in stimulating or increasing connection with um, intimacy and trust? Um, there, um, the two conferences we went to in Vancouver had, um, a, what do you call it, an exhibit floor with all these different products that the Canadians are already making. And one of them was this little tin called Bliss. And it was a whipped cream kind of mixture, very fluffy. And that a woman applies it or the man can apply it for her and gives her so much more of a sensation of what's going on. That's a wonderful cream for sex. Um, They also had a a little glass bottle with a rolling ball at the end with with an ointment for calming down stomach problems. Yeah. You're you're speaking my language. Go on. And I, I have just irritable bowel, but I take this and I roll it right on over my esophagus, you know, straight on down. And within a matter of minutes, the whatever I'm having is gone. So that's a really neat product, too. But getting back to sex, I have a book called Spiritual Awakenings. Um, it's, it's really the after effects of near-death experiences, but it's also about other doorways to our soul. And I have a chapter in there on sex. But it's not American sex where the orgasm is like that. It's more like tantric sex where you go into a meditative mood with your lover. And it, the peace that comes lasts about 20 minutes and then you come back up. That is accentuated with cannabis, that kind of sex. Uh, so it's in my book, Spiritual Awakenings, and it's really worth uh, write, reading. There's a lot going on now about sex and yoga. I was really surprised to see people are doing yoga. Um, but the, the magazine I would recommend that has had some beautiful articles on this, it's called Pineapple. 
and it's out of is it it's out of Toronto, Charlie? It's somewhere in Canada, but you can look it up. They have a website and start looking at that magazine. The other magazines still have that little bit of Cheech and Chong kind of edge. Pineapple is much more sophisticated than that. They're talking about all the new realities that we've got going with this plant. Lovely. And and that kind of reminded me of something I read in one of your bios or maybe in your book. So you actually do, did do some studying and you have a background in kundalini practices. Is that correct? And Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm a respiratory therapist, so I have a lot of a background on breathing. Yeah. <laughs> I took massage therapy because I wanted to learn everything I could about um, the energy. So you put those two together and it's a wonderful way to help people. But when I was doing my research at the University of Connecticut Medical School on the after effects of the NDE, one of our colleagues wrote a book and I'm one of the subjects in the book about how dying and coming back can be a Kundalini arousal, not saying it's a complete it's an arousal that starts us on a different path that fits in perfectly with the after effects. I mean, the after effects are also the after effects of an aroused Kundalini. So we started looking at that more and more and wound up um, creating an organization called the Kundalini Research Network. In fact, one of the, the researchers in this is in California. She's a, one of those you know, advanced spiritual schools outside of uh, San Francisco, Bonnie Greenwell. And so every year we brought together researchers from all over the world to talk about Kundalini. And my take on it is that, and I'm sure you know this already, um, that the physical being is only half or maybe a third of who we are. And for healing, if we don't address the energy system in our body, we're not going to completely heal. We may get rid of the symptoms for a while, but it's not a cure. We have to use our energy system too to figure out where there are these yucky parts, these blocks in our energy system, to be able to learn how to release them. Uh, I, we could just talk to you both for like hours and days. And I mean, I can't take enough notes. I'm just <laughs> I can't wait to read everything and hear everything. Um, read your husband's books. I mean, this is this is just the start of a, a, and a more discussion. I mean, I'm just so grateful for both of you. This is so inspirational oh, and it's you. educational and um, it's hopeful and powerful. It really is exciting. I'm so happy to, to meet you both. Thank you very much. And when, when you read all our stuff and you watch that class and everything and you want to write down more questions, we'll do this again. That would be great. Love to. That would be so great. I'm, I'm so thankful that you, you've taken this time. Like Wendy said, there's so much we could talk about. But uh, I just kind of want to wrap up with one of Wendy's favorite questions. Your role models. I know I know you came to this through your own personal experiences, but you know, who have been the biggest influences for you and your husband or you individually on this journey? Wow, what a wonderful question. Um, I spent it's some Wendy's. time with <laughs> Oh, thanks Wendy. <laughs> I spent some time with Elizabeth Kubler Ross and boy was she a powerful role model. I mean, she doesn't mince words. She would just blast me with stuff. Um, my, my colleague, Bruce Grayson, who was the head of research for the International Association for Near-Death Studies, he was a, a big, big role model for me. He taught me how to do research. And then Ken Ring, 
who wrote about me in two books, who was also at our university. We were this little clique of near-death research. Um, he wrote Heading Toward Omega and Lessons from the Light. He let, he let me come out as far as being able to know that the near-death experiences had changed me and that I could be different. So that was the, I was clueless to all of this uh, when I started working with them, which when I was 41 years old. And then my husband, my husband is a huge role model. There was nobody in that medical school or anywhere in any of the conferences I went to that understood how childhood trauma still affects you as an adult. You know, the whole medical system does not want to look at trauma, just like they don't want to look at alcoholism because half of them are drinking all the time. So Charlie, I, I picked up his first book, Healing the Child Within. He asked me out for dinner. He was coming up to Connecticut. And I thought, boy, before I have dinner with this man, I better read his book. <laughs> I'm sitting there reading that book, and it absolutely blew my mind because they were, this was the answers to questions that nobody could answer for me. So those are my role models. And I had one woman in there, didn't I? Charlie, you're one of my role models. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Well, both Wendy and I are, are very uh, happily married and we're kind of like stupidly happily married. I, yeah. I, I don't know about you, Wendy, but sometimes I feel kind of self-conscious about it. So I love seeing you two. I love actually um, listeners can't see this, but that the two of you look like you have a shared office. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. We're from each other all the time because uh -huh. we both, no. First of all, we we both came from marriages that didn't work, and found each other. And not only not only do we personally fit well, we work well with all our writing and our discoveries and going to conferences. So this has just been like heaven on earth. Ah, oh, what a blessing! Wow. Yeah. Well, you you are definitely our new role models. For yeah, sure. exactly. Like that's okay. a couple role Thanks. model. Thanks so much. All right, thanks you two, and please thanks. call us back whenever. Thank oh, you will. so much thank for taking the time. Bye. Bye. Well, now it's all going to pot. But whether we like it or not, the best I can tell, the world's gone to hell, and we're sure gonna miss it a lot. She's amazing. Isn't she cool? <laughs> oh, Jenny, you fucking girl. I knew you would love her. She's a, she's so inspirational. I have so much reading to do. Oh my God. I love her and him. I know. I know they were great. So I just kind of wanted to, for us to wrap up because like, I didn't want to waste any time with her yeah. even on dream journal exercise. Yeah, but there's a lot crazy. of stuff that can come up from just that brief conversation we had with her for dream journaling. Dr. Wendy's dream journal. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Are you recording? Yeah, I am. Is this thing on? You should keep your little doggies bark in. Suki needs to be in. <laughs> Suki's on our YouTube channel. Why not be on? No, our, I probably you know, will she... use it. I will probably not take too much out. So the dream journal, yes. Well, I mean, I'm just so inspired. And I think that uh, this is... Uh, um, a beautiful way to get some inspiration, some clarity, and whether you want to do this with or without marijuana, um, CBD, THC, uh, a strain, a blend, a mix, you know, there's so much information out there. But I absolutely, the one thing I will just 
one thing I'll take away from this conversation. I'll take so many things away. I have so many notes. I wish people could see. We have to do our show on, you know what I mean? We have to start recording this because, okay, hi. Um, so yeah, so dream journal. One thing that I just absolutely love about what Charlie and Barbara said is the D triple S, which is the dose, strain, setting, and um, the uh, safe, safety, huh? Yeah, it's a set and setting. So when they say set, it's like mindset. Mindset, right. Uh-huh. And so um, whether it's CBD or THC or nothing at all, I I think that really being specific about the mood, the mind, um, the demands, the, these this wonderful couple asked so many incredible questions, whether you are taking CBD, THC, or nothing, um, just lighting a candle and relaxing, getting your journal out. And um, it just asks so many, so many explorations of trauma. So I guess to be more specific, maybe people can journal about childhood drama and trauma. And maybe they can think about if they were to lift the trauma in their life, what would that look like? What would that look like to not live with that darkness or that pain or that heaviness? And, um, and, and what would that take? You know, I, I think one thing they said is that you can explore your trauma and, you know, you can go to therapy and you can explore it in different ways, but, for those people who do believe in CBD and THC and marijuana, um, she talked about having kind of an observing ego. And I thought that was really interesting. So however you want to journal it, I think trauma work is so important for, for kids. They can make children's books. They can make pictures. Um, so often you and I have worked with traumatic situations, whether it's grief and loss with children or animals. We make a goodbye book or a miss you book um, for teens. They're in it sometimes with their mothers and daughters. It's such a painful, angsty time. Now in Los Angeles, I, I don't know how many people are familiar, just as we're recording this, across Los Angeles, there's a lot of teen suicides right now, and it's very concerning and frightening for parents. So, um, you know, I encourage schools or teachers to have kids journal and talk about the traumatic effects of hearing about suicide or a friend that has passed away or parents. Um, trauma can look so many different ways. So um, it can look like debt. It can look like addiction. It can look like incidences of a of really heavy, intense ar argument that you had with your husband. Trauma can look so many different ways. It can see, you know, it could be a little car accident that you saw that you can't get out of your head. Right. Uh, so it's important to get that out of your head and onto paper. So I would journal and think about childhood trauma or, you know, whatever trauma showing up and then doing part two, which is what would it look like if the trauma was lifted from your life and, um, and then baby steps, you know, that's where either friends or support systems, they can always call us or, 
you know, go to a life coach, it's important to get it out. And one thing for sure is this incredible couple definitely has inspired people to explore alternative ways uh, with medicinal marijuana. It's not for everyone, and we are definitely not recommending it. Um, you know, we're not psychiatrists, and so we wouldn't even, you know. No, we can't people. prescribe it either. Yeah, we yeah. definitely say work with a caregiver, a licensed professional, you know, to evaluate whether or not this is something that's for you. Right, absolutely. But with having these lovely people on our show today, I am just really inspired. And it's another thing to think about when we think of interventions and releasing pain and trauma and, and living your fullest life. And uh, sh they gave us some incredible ways to think about uh, trauma and, and a different perspective and, and living with empowerment instead of uh, fear. And here they are, this loving, obviously, you know, very cohesive and in love couple in their 70s. And the way she spoke about everything, you can see it is still a learning journey for both of them, right? It's not they're not set in their ways. They're, they've managed to keep their minds open and are looking forward and are embracing all these new ideas and uh, resources. And I think that that's something for us all to aspire to. I mean, they, like you were saying, they're, they're role models for us now. Um, and I love what you're proposing for the dream journal, kind of tying in what she was saying, like about trauma and drama. And as you were talking about it, I thought, yeah, you know, I, sometimes people will say, I don't know why this is happening. I don't feel like I've ever had any major trauma or my family was you know, my family was normal or fine, but I think if we, with some people, if you can kind of switch it to, all right, well, maybe there isn't an overt trauma that you can identify, but where is the drama? Uh, like you're talking about noticing that and, and noting it in your dream journal and, you know, asking the universe or the medical marijuana, she's saying, you know, praying over it like Santa Maria, send yeah. me guidance, right? <laughs> it's like, it's such a, um, that it can be a spiritual thing. It can be a scientific thing. The dosing, writing all that stuff down, it's very much a scientific practice, but it can also be a spiritual one. I mean, just... Just love, pure love. I, I'm so about this couple. They're definitely my new mentors. I, I love uh, having people show me how uh, they do life and, and so filled with happiness and joy. Uh, in my own life, you know, uh, sometimes we wish that our parents would get the message and, and not come so much from fear. And to watch these beautiful people um, full of life and like you said joy and they're they're so intelligent i mean i want to be them when i get older i know so i want to let listeners know that they can find barbara and her husband uh through her website which is www.barbara-whitfield.com uh you can also type her name uh barbara whitfield or barbara harris whitfield of course i'll have all this in the notes uh, you can type that into YouTube and pull up her videos. Uh, you can go on Amazon and order her books or through their website. 
Uh, and then, as always for us, um, you can find me, Jenny with an I, at Jenny JV Wilson on Twitter. On Instagram, I'm the Preppy Rebel. My email is jenniferjvwilson at gmail.com. Website is Jenny JV Wilson. Uh, we're both on Facebook at Jenny JV Wilson and Dr. Wendy O'Connor and Associates. And you can find Dr. Wendy on her YouTube channel. You can find us both there. I'm there sometimes yes. too. Yes, Suki Astro is going to be a part of the family. We got some teens. We got. We have to let's do a YouTube channel thing soon. Yeah, and uh, so you can okay. find Wendy on Twitter at Ask Dr. Wendy. Her email yes. is Dr. Wendy O'Connor at gmail.com, and that's Dr. Wendy O'Connor at gmail.com. And the reason that's important is because her website is Doctor spelled out Wendy O'Connor.com. Yes. So it's D O C T O R. WendyO'Connor.com. I like to mix it up, but no, it's funny because every time they look for a doctor, they're often getting the blonde doctor, Wendy O'Connor, in Greenwich, New York. So, which is fine because she's great. If you need a New York person, that's your person. But uh, anyway, she gets my calls, she gets my emails, she gets my Groupon people. She's like, I don't take Groupon. And I'm like, I do. <laughs> Send her back to the West Side. Well, it's a little bit ironic that the blonde is in New York and the the sassy brunette is in Los Angeles. You know, we think of uh, the California blonde, but you're the California brunette. We're the brunette this month. <laughs> we'll see what happens in the sun-kissed some springtime. Well, I also think we're going to have to take a trip to Canada. It sounds like that's where we can get some really interesting products. I want to try this bliss sex whatever phone the thing with the ball oh that sounds like something that actually sounds like this there's a topical ointment for like muscle relaxers uh muscle relaxing called canna freeze that i have friends who uh, use it for like rheumatoid arthritis and stuff like that and i found it really effective there are like balms for your skin and joints and massaging that are really great but yeah the thing with the ball sounded like oh i need some of that on my gut you know they have a lovely, colorful life, and that's what I needed to ask about couples and sexual healing. I'm I mean, so glad you did. They look like they are just having a lovely time in life. As I hope that should. that's true. Yeah, I do too. I I want to believe it. And and the <laughs> thing is, again, with the the kundalini and the breath work, and you know, tantric practices. You know, it's not about how much sex you're having. It's about the quality of the sex that you're having and the, the sexual energy that you are sustaining and perpetuating throughout your day and week and, you know. Yes, queen. Get it, Barbara and Charlie. <laughs> Woo! Woo! We're rooting for them. <laughs> Be our role models. All right, Mama. All right. Have a beautiful day, Wendy. Great show and stay open. And be as authentically yourself as you can possibly stand. Adios. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. Ciao. Bye, Mama. Love you. Tell your boyfriend.
hiding behind a bush next to the track is Jeff Sessions trying to stop the train. 